what have you been up to? I have just come back from a quick bike ride, uh, 30 minutes, just to spin the legs out. Prior to that, um, I was on a call with Dr. Chafee in regards to a uh, debate that he is participating in tomorrow against another doctor who is a big advocate for the vegan lifestyle. Um, so, yeah, we were exchanging our war chest, as it were, in regards to uh, <laughs> research and, and things. So, yeah, the last couple of days, last night, um, I was sat here at my desk um, until nearly midnight, I think, going through research because of all the changes and things within the business and moving the premises. Um, I haven't had a great deal of time to to go into this as much detail as I wanted to, but I've um, I spent some time last night and some time today. And this is what I'm going to be doing straight after uh, our our call, uh, our podcast, whatever whatever we want to call it, the Sizzler Seven and the Rumble. Um, she gives you some more information. Ah, okay, right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure you're allowed to use the word, aren't you? Um, no, no, not really, no. But it it runs at Crumble. Crumble it does it does indeed? Yeah. yeah, there we are. We'll we'll call it that from now on. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's what I'm doing after this call. I need to collate some data that um, that I've put together into a format that I believe Dr. Chafee can use during his debate tomorrow. Um, but yeah, it's been good. It um, It's allowed me to open up um, some of the things that, you know, you and I have learned copious amounts of times, but because there's something that we don't use, on a daily basis, you know, we we tend to lose um, uh, the, the, in the weeds sort of information, you know. Um, so there's a lot of information in there that I'm, I'm looking forward to going back through, actually. And I think we can probably build a few episodes around that. Um, yes. Yeah, exciting stuff. But it's uh, I just wish I had more time. Once everything is settled, I'm going to give myself one day a week where I'm going to call in my study day and I'm not going to do any work other than whether that is work, I guess, isn't it? But exactly. I'm going to do it. Work. Yeah. So which yeah. is sort of what I used to do a little while ago. But um, yeah, for all its downsides, um, that's where lockdown helped. Even though the business was still operating seven days because mm-hmm. we were a health store, we could remain open and we're not e-com business. Uh, it did allow me a little bit more time to to get into the weeds in regards to some of the research and things. Um, so lockdown did have its uses, but uh, I need to get back on to it. I miss getting into those uh, into the nitty-gritty, but exciting stuff. Yeah, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Piper UK is great. She's actually here. Well, I'm assuming it's this year, actually, going to make it for the live, um, which is good. And then I've got a question here. So this is something I did in the week with the intentional carnivore. This is from TLV. Um, I spoke about the difference between being 90, 95% carnivore to being 100%. What is the difference? Can you elaborate on this a little more, please? Yeah, I can absolutely do that. If, uh, Rich, you've got a couple of minutes, let me just elaborate on that, and then you can add your bit, because I was the one that said it. Um, it's It's not a linear progression of... You know, let's be simple. Let's say if I said I'm 90% carnivore, therefore I'm going to be 90% feeling great. And then when I went 100%, I was 100% feeling great. Going from 90 to 95 or going from 90 to 100, it doesn't give you, let's go from 90 to 100, it doesn't give you like 10% benefits. It seems to be more logarithmic. It's, it's, it's almost like it's very difficult to mix the mix numbers up. But let's say when you're 90% carnivore, you possibly feel like 80% of as good as you could be. And then when you go 100% carnivore, it seems like you're 100% feeling great. Plus, it just makes a big difference to cut out those last little bits that are not carnivore. It's very difficult to explain. But, you know, if, say, for instance, you went from the standard American diet or standard Western diet to low carb and you felt the difference after let's say three months and you didn't have anyone saying try keto try carnivore and you, you would think well this is a great way this is a really great way of eating but because you're open-minded the mere fact you've tried low carb shows you're a bit open-minded and then you click on keto 
well, that sounds good. Maybe I should try that. And you try keto and, and that's even better. <laughs> and then uh, as is very common with a lot of people in this space, uh, and I will make this sound as simple as possible. Wow, if I cut out, you know, 80 grams worth of carbs and I feel this much better, what would happen if I, if I got rid of all the carbs? And that's when you go carnivore. But then people still hang on, and I did hang on to things like coffee, um, like I say, a square of dark chocolate or something, something like that. And But as soon as you go like 100%, it, it's like the keys to the kingdom. It really makes... Uh, a huge difference, a huge, huge difference. I, it's very difficult to elaborate, but when I'm coaching somebody, I would always say it's worth trying because if you don't, you'll never know how good that is. And then you can make an informed choice, you know, that which is a big deal over the last three years, you know, with the restrictions. Having an informed decision is really good. So if you go 100% and you feel amazing, but you think, oh, yeah, but I, I'm a bit down and out because... I'm not having my morning coffee. You can then make that decision, right? The benefits of not having coffee are X, Y, Z, but I'm getting, you know, ABC from having coffee in the morning. What do I want more? How bad do you want it? You know, it's someone doing a bodybuilding show, for instance, use that as a nice, simple one, and you're feeling fantastic, uh, but you need to put in the effort to, to get the definition you need. Let's say you do that. But you feel rubbish. You don't feel particularly healthy, but you look the best you've ever looked. Then you can make that decision, can't you? Do I do I want to look amazing but feel rubbish, or do I want to have a little bit of extra body fat and feel a bit a bit healthier? So, the, so it's it's just that really. It's just um, I'm not asking people to be extreme. And you know, I, I did an experiment this week because I was quite inspired by Richard and Robert Sykes, the Keto Savage, because they're so awesome. And I had a chat with uh, Richard in the week about the fact that he looks awesome, you know, but he's been mega awesome, or awesome plus, awesome gold, whatever you want to say. When you do a bodybuilding show, you look amazing. So when, when he thinks he looks not as good as he has looked, the average person will look at Rich, and we've already got comments coming up saying how good you look in, in a vest and all that, Rich. And I said it to him. I said, you know, you're not very good is awesome. Most people would look at you're not very good and think, if I look like that, I would be happy. So I think it's all, it's all about perspective and where you've come from. You know, it's all, it's all, it's very difficult because it's not objective. None of this is objective to what we're talking about. It's, you know, it's subjective. Feeling good, yeah, you can do bloods and you can do photographs and stuff like that. But um, who's the – well, anyway, the actor who plays Wolverine, he was asked about how, why does he look so good, how does he look so good. And the first thing he said, well, I can tell you, but I don't recommend doing it, <laughs> you know, because it's extreme biohacking to look that good. And he doesn't look that good when he's not filming. So – uh, that's my that's my answer. Rich, do you want to add a little bit while we do some of the sort of hellos and good evenings and on the screen? Yeah, I think I think you've covered pretty much everything. I used to call myself ninety five percent carnivore, and what I meant by that was that um, I ate meat, eggs, fish, maybe cheese, um, but I would still consume double cream and coffee, and um, maybe certain products that contained polyols or stevia. So for me, that was sort of 95-ish percent carnivore. Um, but it is that sliding scale, isn't it? And as you say, you can... Uh, how's it going, Carl? Um, as you say, you can go further down that rabbit hole. How's it going, Matthew? Yeah, all the regulars. And I think I think TLV is um, Stefania. Um, maybe... Maybe wrong. Maybe she can put a comment on. And Cammy said hi as well. So yes, Cammy. Hey, Cammy. Uh, Piper, Piper UK said you look damn good. Uh, <laughs> we don't kind. In fact, this is this is a tri suit because I've been cycling. I'm in this. It's a skin tight tri suit. Um, I won't show you my bottom half, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I might put some viewers off. But it's uh, yeah. So it's not a vest. It's, it's a. And that's one of the most scary things about riding a bike. Um, I did a segment recently where I reached 36 mile an hour on the flat. Um, now, 36 mile an hour in a car isn't that fast. But when you're on a bike 
and you're going up a narrow street and you think to yourself, well, if you come off at this speed in nothing more than Lycra, then it's going to hurt. Um, so 36 on a bike is incredibly quick. But yeah, you don't have an awful lot of protection other than the helmet that's on your head. But um, yeah, I think we're doing this all wrong. Yeah, I think I, I should get some knee and, and elbow pads to uh, to go with these tri-suits. But uh, yeah, but that, that's my ex- my explanation on on, uh, on being 95. It um, You're going to see benefits. You're going to see benefits going low carb. You're going to see benefits becoming dirty keto, clean keto, standard keto, all the way up to being animal based and then the, I believe the less veg that you eat the more animal based that you are the healthier you're going to become but it doesn't mean you have to be as extreme as some of the influencers that you see on YouTube uh, you need to find that little position uh, on that ladder that little area that you can reside somewhere you feel comfortable somewhere that is sustainable because sustainability is the key I believe cool that's really good uh, yeah, so let's see if I can do this now and, and add this to the Facebook stream. But anyway, so I'm adding that to my Facebook to see what happens. So hi, people in really? Facebook. Right, so we're already eight minutes behind the comments. So let's go on to Matthew here. Is there a way to fix anterior pelvic tilt with exercises in the gym, at home, or in any other way? So that's one I think you know the answer to, Stephen. I think that's one you've, you've answered a few times previously. Yeah, I think that one of the things is to is to concentrate firstly on on posture. Actually, think about your posture. Activating the glutes, which is a posh way of saying squeeze your bum muscles. Uh, I would actually try to um, be very mindful of where your head and your spine is. Make sure they align. Simple, simple things. There's actually quite a lot you can do. One of the most common mistakes many people make in the gym is looking at the weights. So what, let's say they're doing a shoulder press. And you still need to look ahead, but most people actually look at where the weights are going or they'll look in the mirror. You know, uh, So just looking forward and making sure that your your spine and your head are aligned correctly will help activating your glutes. So your torso, if you squeeze your glutes, you will feel yourself straightening up. So the activation of the glutes is very good. Uh, Try and do as many standing exercises as possible. Um, And when you're sitting, be mindful of how you're sitting. Uh, Yeah, I think that's, that's a good start, Matthew. I think just, just, do those things and then come back to us next week and say, yeah, I, I tried those things and that seems to have helped already. You you can get there. You can definitely work on that. Um, Kevin? I think Kevin might be new. He's got an important question here, which is how important is post-workout nutrition on Carnival? I like lifting weights in the morning about 6 a.m., but was thinking of doing intermittent fasting from, say, 12 midday to 6 p.m. Yeah. Hey, Kevin. Um not as important as one would believe. That whole um, theory of the, the anabolic window is a myth. Uh, training weights in the morning, doing a fasted state is fantastic because that's going to give you one M to activation. Uh, when you finish training, I would give it three hours before you consume food and that will elicit another mTOR reaction. So before you've even began your day by so seven by 10 a.m., uh, you could be eliciting uh, another response. I would, I would preference to do it three hours after um, just to benefit from um, that mTOR reaction, um, and then you can you can jump on the back of the mTOR reset every three hours, so we could maximize the mTOR reset four times in one day to maximize uh, muscle growth. But training fasted is fantastic, but um, you don't need to eat straight after training. Allow three hours and eat around fifty grams of protein or three grams of leucine to elicit that mTOR response. That's fab. I like that answer. Um, but I always... Because they were short. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, yeah, I'm absolutely in concert with it. But also, I think people, you've got to eat enough in the first place. That's it. And when you're uh, this way of eating, you tend to actually know when to stop as well. You start to get a bit more intuitive. So that's what I would say. I would say that um, if you've eaten the day before plenty of nice uh, quality, good quality proteins they're all going to be available for you <laughs> you know so your muscle protein synthesis is going to happen um just because you've fasted overnight say for instance it doesn't mean that 
you know, all the food that you ate the day before has evaporated. <laughs> you know, there, there are reserves there. There's reserves of glycogen and everything. So um, one thing I'm just going to add here, Rich, which you didn't know I was going to do. I've been doing this sprint training because you inspired me. Like I say, you and Keto Savage being so awesome and cold a bit, actually. Uh, cold me, Milton, you know. And uh, so I've been doing some sprint training. And I thought over the weekend I would try adding carbs, which is a horrendous experiment health-wise because it ruined my uh, toilet habits today, um, but also ruined my sprinting. So over the last six weeks, I've just steadily seen an improvement in my times on 100 metres and 200 metres, which is done as a bit of fun. And um, so I carb-loaded and I went out and my first run was the slowest I've done in six weeks by quite a considerable distance. It was absolutely awful. Now, I know I've just done one day of bringing carbs back in and all the carb adaptation, but it, it really was horrendous. Whereas you would think possibly I would get this mega boost. Yeah. White rice, by the way, was uh, my carb of choice. And um, uh, basically my three runs, which which the, the first three, which I use as an, as an average, I also look at the mean and look at it all properly. Um, <clears throat> I would definitely conclude that carbs were not helping me whatsoever. And then today, um, more toilet trips than I needed. Uh, I did do a long drive. So I did a, a three-hour drive or two-and-a-half-hour drive and then a two-and-a-half-hour drive back today. We went to the sea, as I said. That's why I got the nap bite. And uh, uh, by 6 o'clock this afternoon, so an hour and 20 minutes, I was absolutely shattered. You know, I said to Jane, I think I might want to fall asleep when I get in just for 20 minutes, which would not have happened. As you know, when we did the 24-hour live stream, that was, you know, a walk in the park for 22 hours. But anyway, there you go. So that's just a little side show for you. Uh, Tom, good evening, gentlemen. I've been watching for a while. I want to say I appreciate your time and knowledge. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate you making that comment. That's nice. And Tam here. Hi guys, so I've done for carnivore, I've lost a stone, uh, for those that don't know what a stone is, that's 14 pounds, which is brill, but now just stopped losing weight and eating OMAD, so that's good. Following it up with what he's been eating, uh, six eggs and chuck steak, any advice please? So just because you're not losing weight doesn't mean you're not losing fat either. So this is another um, common misconception. Weighing on the scales is not the best form of measurement. If you are going to measure, uh, I'd use a caliper or a measuring tape around the waist. Um, but I don't think you should have to anyway. Um, the body doesn't just switch off this fat burning process what what happens is the fat cells will fill with water almost in in anticipation of of fat returning uh, so you will store extra weight uh, in the form of water and glycogen because the body does actually create glycogen even when we're keto and carnivore um so the body's very clever and any any in, inflammatory signaling within the body or any toxins that are leaving the body can cause extra inflammation and slow down um weight loss and they could be, uh, they may very well be foods that you can zoom in on keto or carnivore that may be uh, may contain some form of lectins, like sausages, for example. General sausages from the supermarket um, are usually bound with uh, some form of, of of lectin, and that's not to say not to eat them, but that's just an education piece. Maybe you approach your local butcher and ask them to make rusk-free burgers and sausages uh, but it doesn't mean that you're losing weight um, I would continue as you are for another couple of weeks and see see where we are but I would certainly measure with a tape over the scale or potentially use that that caliber it's a far better um, system for measurement the scales don't always tell the truth that's brilliant that's brilliant so we've got um, Susie saying hi hey, Susie I think I'd be interested in your answer to this one from Tom. After one year, carnivore, pork, beef, chicken, dairy, and eggs. Homocysteine is 16 uh, units, uh, moles per litre. Why and how to lower homocysteine? Harry Sopanos' advice is more... Choline. Uh, choline, yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, I guess it depends on how many eggs that you, the dairy, what, what type of dairy are you consuming? Cause dairy could be, um, associated with homocysteine levels. Um, I should imagine that you're getting plenty of choline from the eggs that you're eating. If you eat anywhere near as many eggs as I do, um, you could, uh, up the omega threes. Um, we need omega, omega threes will help lower, uh, homocysteine levels. Um, and maybe sort of, yeah, you're doing the iodine, which foods, remove the dairy um pork potentially as well i mean there is an argument the pork is higher in oxidized omega-6 linoleic acid uh even though there is a counter argument to that that it shouldn't cause an issue because in theory it, it hasn't been oxidized in the same way as the seed oils have but pork and chicken is considerably higher uh, i think it sits around 20 percent in pork compared to to beef which is around two percent so potentially lower the pork as well. Pork and dairy, possibly the problems there, but chuck some omega-3s in as well. Get some um, mackerel, sardines, some salmon. Um, try not to supplement with omega-3s, though, because they can also oxidize after or as, in as little as 20 days. Um, so you don't want to su uh, supplement with the omega-3s. Let's get it from our diet. Yeah, that's a great answer. I mean, one of the things you could do is that depends how much you want to get into this because you could also do a methylmalonic acid test and you you could be having lots of vitamin B12 in your diet, but you could have a B12 deficiency in your cells. I mean, that that's one of the things. So um, we'd need to know a bit more about you. Um you might be on medications like metformin, which lowers, you know, B12 levels. So there's there's, there's a lot more to this than uh, just lowering a level. It's also looking at everything else that's going on. But uh, the methylmalonic, methylmalonic acid test is a really good test. Uh, and it shows whether it's being converted and you're actually getting the B12 into the cells. Could, could, could be that. So that's it. Um Follow Richard's advice and practical advice there, but if you want to get more into it, you can look at that and you can look at many, many uh, more markers. But yes, great advice. Thank you. So we've got some uh, smiley faces. Right. Uh, I ju I, I'm just trying to catch up because I put this a little while ago. We're already eight minutes behind with the comments. We're trying to give everyone a, uh, you know, a good blast. Raymond, hello. Good hey, evening. Man. Nice to see you, Art Master Studio TV. I love the names, really. Hello, that's my favourite part. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tia, did, did you say you know who Tia? Uh, no, it, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm, uh, yeah, the comment after that that I can see there is that um, it's Eric. I'm, Eric in, in Northumberland. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure that I've spoken with Eric. I may be wrong. Yeah, but um, Eric in Northumberland is uh, saying you've both been incredibly helpful to my personal journey in the transition to being carnivorous. Eric in Northumberland sounds like a Monty Python sketch, doesn't it? The Eric in Northumberland sketch. Anyway, right. Okay, who else have we got here? Tom, Stephen. Today, Harry had Phil Escott on, and they chatted about the virus for about thirty plus minutes. About half of the half of the questions got skipped. Well, you know. If you like dessert at eight o'clock, Richard and I are going to have some crumble. Uh, so if you wanted to listen to us talking about things there, then you can. Uh, in my, uh, I will put my uh, link tree link in the in the uh, comments, and you can look at the top link to look at that at eight p.m. Anyway, right? Okay, so let's get on. Thank you, Tom for that uh tam tom tam it's all here eric the viking and all that it's good i like the names uh started carnival for 30 days and lost a stone and last week lost nothing oh yeah we've just done that but uh torn meniscus uh well that's difficult because it depends whether it's what sort of tear it is whether it's a, if it's a bucket handle one then that's very problematic but we have definitely seen proof of um meniscus repair in people on carnivore who have been doing the right things when they train. Uh, one thing to, this is a real hack actually, and th this is the proper way to test what sort of meniscus problem you have. Remember in the old days, someone would have a cigarette, drop it down, and then you'd sort of twist your foot on it to turn, you know, to, to get rid of the, um, uh, you know, the, the, to put the cigarette out, twist your foot. If you can do that and not hurt your meniscus, then 
or not feel pain in that knee, then there's there's a good chance that you'll really be able to fix your meniscus. Now, if it really hurts to the point where you can't twist your foot on the floor like that at all, then you need to get some imaging or go back to the doctor and say exactly what sort of um, thing is the problem with the meniscus. Because there's three types. Anyway, uh, but the bucket handle is the one you don't want to hear it is. The, Do you have uh, any... Yeah, I mean, the torn meniscus could be uh, causing inflammation again. So coming back to the previous comment we made about inflammation, holding on to extra weight. Um, three coffees is generally okay, although um, excess uh, could cause an elevation of cortisol, which would stimulate insulin and, and slow down weight loss. But again, everybody's an individual there. I mean, I've seen some people who drink 15 cups a day, you know, so <laughs> I used to be one of them. Um, yeah. Again, it's walking backwards is good, by the way, as well. Walking backwards, and if you can get to run backwards, that's very good. But do be careful of uh, things behind you, obviously, so health and safety, and um, just just take it easy. But walking backwards and knees over toes, guy, is a good person to follow if uh, you're interested in that sort of training as well. We can do it. We're both coaches, but anyway, right. Um, moving on. So, uh, just taking eggs this week. The Art Master Studios back here. Feeling better big time just cutting out pork, cheese and chicken. Yeah, pork and chicken and cheese are, are things that many people do cut out and feel better. Uh, Jay. Hey, Jay. Come on. Do you know Jay? I do indeed. If it's the same Jay, I believe that it is. <laughs> That's cool. I know Jay. And we've got uh, Rick here. Oh, and uh, yes, my little comment about eight minutes behind. It's fine, Rick. I, I do it for people who have not left a comment before or seen the show before and think that we're ignoring them. I just make sure everybody knows that we try to give everyone a good answer, but he's saying that's why he makes very few comments, so it doesn't add to the list. But, Rick, it's always good to hear from you. 40 years carnivore, by the way. 40 years carnivore. Before it was even called carnivore. So uh, that's good. Uh, right, here we go. Uh, uh, Tom is saying dairy is mostly hard cheese, sour cream and butter. We'll try to lower dairy and replace pork with beef. All good. Um, so, yes. So, is that Eric? Yeah, Eric, there we go, giving us some smiley faces. Rick here saying, despite being tall and doing no structured exercise and running various kinds of equipment, I've never had back troubles despite being tall. Is my carnivore diet a possible reason? Most definitely. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, when you live a carnival lifestyle, a divide of all of the, the toxins that come with these other foods, not just processed foods, but the, the phytolexins and, and the anti-nutrients within uh, plants. Uh, plants are not this magic elixir that we're led to believe. They're not this brilliant source of vitamins and minerals. In fact, the... What is contained in vitamins and minerals, uh, the vitamins and minerals contained in veg is incredibly low. Uh, the bioavailability is incredibly low. They need to be um, converted into human form, which means they become even lower. And a lot of the nutrients uh, that are in there are, in fact, anti-nutrients. And they block the absorption of things like zinc, iron, magnesium, vitamin B12, and iron, uh, as well as other nutrients within the body. So when we are devoid of nutrients that we need to repair, the body doesn't heal by removing the vegetables. The body now has the ability to heal and repair considerably quicker. And we see this in the athletes that I work with constantly. Um, I'm working with uh, uh, a, a, an accountant. I call him an iron man. I mean, that's not his job. He's an accountant by trade, but it's um, he, he is an iron man. He's an iron man several times. And um, he's in his 50s and to train in Ironman and competing in triathlon. Now uh, he recovers within two days and is back doing other sports, you know, which is absolutely incredible. In his 40s, wasn't possible. He, he was out of action for weeks and weeks and weeks. So living the carnivore lifestyle most definitely helps with the aid in building, repairing and, and recover. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think that's very true about the back troubles. Um, firstly, for someone that's tall, Many people that are tall don't like being really tall. So let's let's share a little bit of um, some information you may not know. In um, in Britain, there's a stand-up com comedian called Greg Davis, and Greg Davis and I were friends way back, and I was at his first gig because we did the course together. 
to be stand-up comedians. And uh, Greg is very, very tall. He was in the in-betweeners, if you don't know who he is, wrote some of his own comedies. But very, very tall. Uh, and unabashed about being tall. But, we, you know, I found it very difficult. And, um, you know, to, to literally look from his chest up to talk to him. And... I spoke to some other people about being tall and people would ask me about him and, and there were many people that were very tall would sort of hunch themselves over because they felt in, that they were intimidating people. He actually embraces it and it's part of his personality. So I think some people can be tall and because of their posture, because they're not happy to stand proud, because they're fed up with being asked, you know, is the, what's the weather like up there and all these sort of rubbish things, they tend to crouch down. Um it could just be that you've got good posture as well. But yes, the carnivore diet will certainly improve your um, inflammation levels, bring them down. It's very anti-inflammatory. Or conversely, you're not eating things that are inflammatory. Right, I've got a really interesting question, actually. I think it's, well, they're all very interesting, but this is actually something that is very close to my heart. Very, very close. Uh, just a drony first. Are we going to uh, crumble later today? Yes. And if you think I'm being silly about not using the right word, I promise you, YouTube are very, very slick. Uh, but anyway, right, here's the, here's the thing. Jackie Fox, I'm getting absolutely sick of eggs and meat. I fast three days a week, so I don't have to eat every day. What am I to do? Now, you don't have to just eat meat and eggs. There are, there's poultry. There's fish. You you can be you can be very innovative with what you eat. So I've got on my channel you know, what I eat in a day over a hundred videos there, and there's not much repetition. You know, there's so many different ways to look at the carnivore diet, and there's so many things that you're probably possibly not eating: your know, mussels and crab and uh, lots of seafood. I've done different ways. I was allergic to seafood up until I was age fifty. So there's that. Um, fasting three days a week is, is not a bad thing. Um, it's really odd. The reason I found it interesting is because I'm gonna I'm I'm heading into a three day fast this week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday because I just want to be really really um, on point. Want to lose a little bit of body fat, get my body composition down. So I don't think necessarily fasting three days a week. Is a, is a bad thing. I think if you want to do that, you get all the autophagy, you'll get lots of benefits from that. And I also think you'll get your love of food back because you will be hungry and when you eat, you'll enjoy it more. So anyway, so that's that's my two penneth. Uh, Richard will have another two penneth to put in. Uh, yeah, it. one of the questions that I get asked when people begin a keto or carnivore journey is that... Um, is it restrictive or is a comment that, that is made that it's restrictive? Um, so I, I think this is one that we covered last week. So what I typically do in that situation is I'll ask that client of mine to run me through what they eat on, on a Monday. And it's always the same sort of stuff, muesli for breakfast or, you know, uh, some other form of cereal with um, maybe some toast and a sandwich a little later on and then uh, pasta and chicken or something for, for lunch, etc. So we'll go through the full day. And once they have given me their list of foods that they eat on a Monday, I'll ask them, well, what do you eat on a Tuesday? Oh, um, well, it's the same thing. We are creatures of habit. We eat the same thing almost every day. When you go shop into the supermarket, you go to the same places, you pick up the same product. You may change a flavor or something in one of the products, uh, a different cake or a different flavor packet of crisps or whatever it may be. But we are creatures of habit. So all we're doing is moving, removing the toxic foods and we're consuming highly nutrient-dense foods in the form of animal proteins. Now, the animal proteins list is um, it's, it's almost endless, isn't it? You go to the butcher and there is a countless amounts of meats that you can that you can buy and cook in various ways. An egg, you can boil an egg, you can fry an egg, you can make an omelette out of an egg, um, you can make muffins in the microwave out of eggs. So an egg, you, know, you can make four different meals from um, beef. You can buy mints. You can do lots of mints. You, you can make burgers. Uh, you could just fry the mints. Um, you know, lamb, chicken, beef, salmon, all of these sorts of things. Um, and on the on my website, theketopro.com, there is a, uh, a recipes page. 
uh, predominantly designed towards the carnival market. Um, but there are hundreds and hundreds of recipes on there, mains, desserts, starters, all sorts of things that will uh, allow you to keep that variety in there. But become creative. There's there's lots and lots that you can eat living a, a carnival lifestyle. Um, and if you feel like you need to deviate from being strict carnival now and again, well, that's fine. There's very, very few carnivals uh, in in existence that are as strict as you know we would we would believe very few of them are um 100 carnival when we did the 24-hour live i think almost every carnivore that came on every carnivore expert said that they have a little treat occasionally whether it was a piece of fruit or you know greek yogurt or um ice cream you know it uh we've all got these little go-tos so we don't have to be as strict as uh as we are led to believe yeah, that's uh, yes, that's brilliant. Very helpful there, and thank you to co-create happy. Ha- anyway, um, question here: Been doing carnivore since January, and had several health improvements, but having some bad leg edema the last few weeks. Any ideas on the best way to clear this? Do you have any thoughts, Steve? Yeah, I, I know it sounds like a bit picky, but I wonder what leg it is. That's that. That's the first thing. Um, Secondly, you could, if you've got a blood pressure uh, machine, you could look at your blood pressure of both your ankles and see if they match to try and rule out a sort of circulation circulation problem. By the way, this isn't medical advice. This is just uh, for information for things you can look at that can help a medical um, healthcare provider if you do these sort of things. Um, just elevating your leg. Give it a bit of a rest. Edema is obviously, you know, swelling. Have you damaged that leg? Have you knocked it? Is there is there a reason for that edema there? Um, it could be an electrolyte thing that you want to look at. It could be lack of activity. You, there, there are many different things. I would look at all of those things first. Make sure that it's less, less broadening it. I know we're answering that sort of question, but if you're in a chair, it's always best to sort of... Um, bringing your knees up off the floor. I can't really do it because I haven't got a camera here, but, you know, move your legs as much as possible. Uh, get your feet and go up onto your tiptoes and sort of waggle them so you're on your tiptoes on one foot and on the other, those sort of things. Just to get your circulation going. Um, that, that That's the sort of thing I would do. Just look at your water intake. Don't drink too much. Uh, sometimes... Just looking at your salt intake can make a big difference. And oddly, it can be too much or not enough. Yeah, salt's super important. I think that's um, a big thing that a lot of carnivores are missing. We either don't salt the meals enough or um, we may salt too much with uh, ignoring maybe the need for potassium. Everyone's requirement is is completely different, but salt is really important uh, in the form of sodium. But potassium and magnesium are, are, are equally important and we need, in fact, four times more potassium than we do sodium. Luckily, when we consume these from animal sources, they come uh, in that ratio of, of three to four to one. Um, but electrolytes, I definitely take a look at uh, at the electrolytes for sure. If you are not consuming lots of salt or maybe the wrong type, maybe you could supplement with uh, a quality electrolyte. Just be sure that um, the electrolyte doesn't contain any calcium. Uh, make sure it contains highly bioavailable forms of uh, of sodium potassium. Avoid magnesium oxide and make sure that there's no uh, artificials in there, any nasties. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's as simple as that. Mm, yeah, and come back to us next week. Tell us how you got on. Okay, <laughs> Matthew, I'm not sure if Matthew is having a... Um... Being a little bit funny, or whether it's a serious question, but we'll go through it. We'll treat every question serious. Is it possible to eat as a carnivore in a, at an Indian restaurant? I think you can get close. I mean, I am not the biggest fan of spicy food, so Indian restaurants always been restrictive for me all my life, actually. Um, but if you go to a good one, you could have a chicken korma and and take the chicken out of the sauce. So you can ask you can ask for a more meat based way of eating a, a tandoori dish, a uh, chicken shashlik maybe, which would come with um, things like bell peppers and onions. But it's a tandoori dish or a tandoori mixed grill. Um, 
And again, yeah, there's going to be spices in there, but it, it's that sliding scale again, Steve, isn't it, in regards to how strict carnivore is. Um, if you have been carnivore, which I know you have for quite some time, then you're, it's quite likely, likely your gut is healed. You can afford to put a few nasties in occasionally. Um, it doesn't mean that you may not pay the price with toilet problems the next day <laughs> or maybe a little bit of fatigue. Um, but you're in a far better position now than when you were before you began a keto and carnivore lifestyle. So I, I stick to, if I go to to an Indian restaurant, I stick to tandoori dishes. Uh, again, you know, uh, if you would afford to put some bell peppers, which are high in lectins, uh, tomatoes, which are high in lectins, and the onions, which is high in quercetin. Um, if you want to put those in, then you can. <laughs> Steve laughing now, but it... Um, they're not going to kill you. And it's it's all about the rule and not the exception, isn't it? So if you were living the lifestyle 30 days out of 31, then putting a few little nasties in isn't going to cause a massive issue. But uh, I would uh, opt for, for white rice, if if anything. Um, but just stick to those dry dishes and avoid the sauces. Uh, generally, a good Indian restaurant cooks with ghee, which is fantastic for keto. So um, you could do a pretty close to carnivore sort of uh, meal within uh, the restaurant. They would do also for you, um, I can't remember what it's called, but uh, a mushroom mix with spinach. Um, I'm not a big lover of spinach because of the oxalates, but again, if you're not suffering with severe kidney problems, uh, joint pain, then a little bit of spinach isn't going to kill you, but it's uh, it's not something I would eat. Um, but again, you know, you can put these in occasionally. You don't have to be this elite carnivore person. It's all about the rule and not the exception. Great. Rich, that's fabulous. That's fabulous. Mike Bell, any supplements such as iodine, or I think that's magnesium, I'm assuming, we need to take on carnivore if not eating organ meats. <laughs> yeah. Go on, Rich. Not as an issue. Look, it's not... <laughs> Look, I, I'll keep it short and sweet. Look, we, we get a lot of these from the, the food that we eat anyway. A good source of iodine is things like chicken and fish is a good source. Uh, magnesium is found in, in all the meats that we eat. Um, and surprisingly high levels as well. And if you're anything like me and you eat probably a kilogram of meat a day, <laughs> then most of those nutritional needs uh, are, are covered. Um you know, uh, king prawns, I, I believe, as well, are another good source of iodine. Uh, magnesium, I, I don't think that's something you're going to be short of. If you were living the lifestyle and you feel fit and well, then, you know, there's no problem. If you have, uh, you know, if you're suffering with fatigue or have other issues going on, then it's something you can look look back to. But there are plenty of carnivores on the planet who do not eat organ meats. I love organ meats. Um our friend Bart Kay isn't a big fan of organ meats, um, but then other, other you know, uh, c carnivores are. You know, there's um, well, ex-carnivore Paul Saladino's a big, you know, organ meat supporter. Um, and an know. organ meat supplement seller. And an organ meat supplement seller. Um, yeah. You know, and look, the, I don't think they're correlated. Rich, are they correlated possibly? It, do you think? Yeah. Look, I, I, I'm I'm in no position to to put anyone down for for selling a supplement in in aspect. That's what I, I I sell supplements. Um, you know, um, I class them as foods because they're all natural. Um, I do sell some of the other nasties that come along that to support the low carbon ketogenic market as well as you know. Um, and there's a place for these. There's a place for for these in people who are gravitating. So I, I've um. Stephen and I spoke recently. I, I've been asked to become an ambassador for the Norks Foundation. Um, incredibly honoured. And part of that, we're getting um, Professor Norks on for an interview next week. So the interview hasn't happened yet, because I know this is something Stephen wanted to talk about. We haven't done the interview yet. So if you have any questions, pop those in the link below, and I'll be happy to ask uh, uh, Professor Norks. But um, I had a meeting with uh, the lady that runs uh, part of the Norks Foundation uh, a lovely lady called Yana. And one of the things that we spoke about was that um, she asked me what I do. Um, and I'm a nutritionist. I help people. I, I supply people with advice uh, and education. Uh, and education is important because when you are educated, you can make that decision yourself. Each and every day, you can make an educated decision in regards to what you eat. I'll explain to people what 
what the, is optimal, what the healthiest foods to consume are, what foods you should avoid. But ultimately, it's up to that person to to evaluate where they want to be on on this scale. Now, being carnivore for a lot of people would it seem to be in, incredibly restrictive. Now, we may not think that because we live the lifestyle day in, day out, but it's taken me an awful long time to get to being as strict as I am. I didn't begin my journey by waking up and deciding I was going to be carnivore one day. I gravitated into this slowly by restricting or removing bread initially. And then I sort of went down that rabbit hole and I used to consume my spinach and kale smoothies with turmeric and black pepper. Um... I won't bore you with the science in, in, in regards to why that is not good for health, but I was healthier than I ever was before. So what I was doing was working because of what I was removing, not necessarily because of what I was I was eating. Um, but I was fit and healthy. I'd, I'd lost 107 pounds by this point. I'd reversed my diabetes. Uh, I was no longer suffering with daily debilitating migraines, depression, anxiety. So at that time when I was living a ketogenic lifestyle and consuming lots of uh, spinach and kale and turmeric and black pepper. I was fit and healthy, but through research, education and laziness, because I couldn't be bothered to cook veg, I, I gravitated into becoming carnivore and that's where I became even fitter and healthier. My health and well-being went to another level. Um, but it's we're all on our own journey. So this is the reason that I support each and every person because when I was speaking with Yana, um, one of the questions that she asked me was what, what I do. And, uh, you know, I sell certain foods and supplements that, you know, a lot of the listeners here wouldn't be interested in. I also sell incredibly strict, what I would class as keto elite and carnivore supplements too. Um, but some of the things that I sell um, would contain certain compounds that you and I, you know, maybe would not consume. But I said, I believe there's a place for this because if we are to be as strict as, as you and I are, then most people would not gravitate into the lifestyle. And it's through giving them that opportunity to consume something that is far better than a Mars bar, then they can make that change by replacing, you know, standard bread for bread that is massively reduced in lectins and carbohydrates. And then that is a step in the right direction. Um, and I said, you know, I support this, you know, whether it falls in line with with your beliefs or not, you know, I, I believe that there's a place for it. And I have managed to gravitate an awful lot of people into being carnivore through doing these incremental changes. And um, Yara told me a story about one of the ambassadors who was uh, slating um, low-carbon ketogenic bars uh, because they, you know, she believed that they were not keto. And she, she told me how she had to speak to this ambassador and say, well, look, we're not all elite. We're not all as far down this, this, this road uh, as... Um, as as the other people are. And it's important to give them an offering in order to allow them to gravitate ever so slightly down the journey. And through these incremental changes, we can make bigger changes. Um, so yeah, I can't um I can't I can't slate Paul Saladino for selling, you know, liver capsules. They are they are incredibly good. Uh, if you don't like eating liver and you want the nutrients, then they're a fantastic way to get those nutrients. Uh, I stock ones by Hunter and Gather. Um, lamb liver capsules. Um, I eat my liver and, you know, liver is incredibly cheap and I don't see why, you know, I do understand why people don't eat it because a lot of people find it overpowering. Uh, but I, I eat my liver. I love eating heart. Heart is incredibly fatty and juicy and succulent. Chicken hearts are like little grapes. I, brilliant for snacking on. I love my organ meats, but not everybody wants to eat a heart with ventricles and and everything and all these tendons poking out it puts an awful lot of people off so if if you want to take a supplement you know in order to replace something you feel that you're missing then that's fine um but i do believe everything that we need can be sourced through through our diet uh, and lifestyle um but no i think coming back to the original question <laughs> um you know, by all means, if if you wanted a supplement, but I think if you were if you were eating lots of animal proteins, particularly from red meats, um, I think you're going to be fine. If you're worried about iodine, as we say, get into some fish and uh, and um, uh, king prawns. Um, chicken is high in iodine as well, and magnesium we should be fine with, uh, especially if we're consuming lots of natural salts in the form of Celtic sea salt and pink Himalayan, because they don't just contain sodium; they do contain potassium and magnesium also. 
But there we are. That was my around the houses explanation. <laughs> you caught you you caught me off uh, off kilter because you you, you would uh, went went into this thing with um with with the supplements. But uh, yeah, apologies. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just going to put a little bit of meat on the bones. Now, when I was at Meat RX, there a supplement supply came on an American guy, and we were absolutely shocked with how honest he was because he kept saying what you're saying. If you can get it from food, it's better. Simple as that, right? Now, um, today, I mean, I was out and about, and if uh, if I didn't have a cool box in the car, then some supplements might have been a good idea. And I thought, I'm not anti-supplements at all. I, in my drink here, I have Keto Pro Electrolyte, you see? So I'm not anti it at all. Mine uh, stronger you're, than yours. Yeah, you're not stronger. <laughs> uh, but anyway... Um, so I'm not anti it, but I just think sometimes the motivation might be not for you, Rich, but for other people. And, uh, you know, just um, I think it's quite funny that Phyllis Scott now calls Paul Saladino fruit Saladino because there is so much fruit in his diet and all this. Yeah, I think it's a great name. I used to call him Winnie the Paul, but anyway, because of the honey. But I, I, I'm not anti-supplements. You're not anti-supplements, but you just hit the nail on the head. I buy lamb hearts to eat. And if you chop it up, you know what you're doing. You don't have to eat all the ventricles and, you know, the, the, the vowels and things. You you can just do that. For a pound, basically, you can have a big chunk of meat. Now, some people might not want to do that. They might not even want to pick it up. They might not want to buy it in the first place, you know. And, yeah, if you want what a lamb's liver might bring you, or like you say, with liver in general, you know, the the high nutrient density, then getting it from supplements is a good idea. And, and I'm not anti-supplements. But I just like to tease people. But you say the same thing as I do, actually, which is if you can get it from food, then that is probably going to be more bioavailable and uh, going to work really well. But that's what supplements are. They're an addition, aren't they? The whole word. It's a supplement. It's something that maybe you you don't find kidney palatable, you don't find liver palatable, but you want those things. So, yeah, um, uh, <clears throat> yes. Yeah, so there you go. Right, and iodine. Some people take the iodine drops, and it's it's life changing. So I have zero issue with anyone taking supplements, but I don't think it should be like the first thing. It shouldn't be. I've seen this person taking liver supplements supplements so i'm going to do that because they look great i think you need to look into it see whether you want to do it like that or from food and all that sort of things so it's great uh, and i wouldn't be with rich would i i think he's the best person on the planet to do this um so there you go and i, I really mean that if you want to get some supplements i would definitely trust rich above everybody else because he's very picky you probably noticed he really goes into a lot of detail about these things so uh, anyway right uh, Andy C, I found eating mints loose was triggering my leptin signal almost straight away. So I make burgers from mints all the time now. And I understand that. My latest thing with mints, beef or ground beef, has been having it raw, actually. And I thought I would hate it. But I am loving it with an egg yolk and some melted butter. A- absolutely loving it. Um, right. So Mike here. Um, never sick of steaks and eggs, do it every day. Perhaps that's because my mindset is that zip want to eat it rather than need to eat it. Yeah. Mindset is important. Absolutely. Mindset is, 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 you got to be on it. I think, um, Rick is saying that he, uh, he got someone to ca- convert to carnivore and he doesn't think fruit is a treat. I don't think fruit is a treat either. And, that was uh, my Siri talking for some reason. So lambs, that's great news, Rick. I got my siblings to join me for a 30-day challenge. They never watched YouTube influencers because of the language barrier. But I'm stoked. Leading by example seems to work. Absolutely. Right, that's good. Uh, Jack is saying thank you very much. They'll check out the recipe page. Here's one that I think is really interesting. We've got five minutes to go. Uh, LO321. I think IO321. Uh, thoughts on apple cider vinegar? Comes from a plant. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it's when you look at the research, it, right, let's take it back. Am I anti plants? Um, and, and the reason I say this is this is off the back of a conversation I had with Dr. Chafee before we came on. Um, I'm not anti plants. 
And don't shoot me, because what I mean by that is plants do have a purpose. Um, all our medicines come from plants. They contain specific compounds which can help fight off uh, illnesses, diseases, cancers, tumors, all sorts of stuff. Fantastic. But you don't take medication unless you're sick. Um, and this is what people are seeing. They're seeing things like uh, the benefits of eating broccoli, for example, and its uh, anti-carcinogenic benefits from sulfur pain. So eating broccoli must be great because it helps fight cancer. Well, broccoli contains, in fact, it does not contain sulfur pain because sulfur pain is created when the broccoli plant comes under attack. So myrosinase binds to glucoraphanin and creates an isothiocyanate called sulfropane. But sulfropane is so toxic that it doesn't exist in a healthy plant. So it's created when the plant comes under attack during, during the chewing process. But sulfropane is used in the treatments for things like cancer. So it's used in chemotherapy. And this is why it's hailed as being this, this superfood. But you would not take a chemotherapy pill unless you had cancer, because taking that chemotherapy pill would kill every cell in your body. Um, and this, so there's a benefit to consuming vegetables, but it doesn't mean that you should eat them every day. Now, when you look at the research in regards to apple cider vinegar, um, there's evidence going back for thousands and thousands of years for all sorts of medicinal purposes. Um, so fantastic. If you're sick, then apple cider vinegar can help. If you're using it for a purpose, um, can it aid with weight loss? Potentially, there is lots of research there to su suggest that it may help. Um, again, there's lots of counter research to say the opposite. Um, am I a fan? Um, I've used it. Um, I think it could be a good substitute to add to your food to make it more palatable. Um, and if you're sick, then potentially... I think it could have lots of benefits. Um, now, I sell apple cider vinegar. I sell apple cider vinegar to the low-carb ketogenic community. And these are people who are coming from being sick. So I think that there is a benefit to them potentially based on this research, which is thousands of years old. Would I recommend it for someone who is living a strict carnivore lifestyle or being a bit more strict? If you were to put that in occasionally, it's not going to cause any harm. But I, I wouldn't be a big supporter of consuming that on a daily basis. We certainly don't need our apple cider shots in the morning. Um, but if you are one of these people that is new to carnivore and you're struggling with, you know, maybe the you find meat being bland, then there is worse things to add to your to your meals than, than apple cider vinegar. So again, it's all about education. And I think once you're armed with that knowledge. Um, you can make that educated decision. So the first question will be is, what are you looking to get out of, of adding that apple cider vinegar? Um, because it could also be bringing a few other issues potentially along with it. So education, you know, is important. Um, yeah. Great, Rich. That's great. Uh, just a la last question here. Uh, thank you both for the edema ideas. Uh, when I say last question, don't forget there's a link where you can go and see us from eight o'clock. Um, but can you elaborate on why to avoid calcium and magnesium oxide, please? Off the top of my head, I, I can tell you about magnesium oxide. It's the bioavailability is, is pitiful. It really is. And some, yeah, 4%. It's not good. So that's that. Uh, so, Rich, in like 60 seconds, why? <laughs> Avoid calcium? I would have loved this question uh, a little bit earlier on because this is one of the things that I put into the research for Dr. Chafee. Calcium is essential for, for bone. Bone is mi is mineralized protein. So bone is 50% protein and the rest is, is minerals. Um, and calcium is sent directly to the bone with sodium consumption. So to put calcium into the bone, we need sodium. But excess calcium consumption increases risk of cardiovascular disease by 15%. So if you were consuming over 700 milligrams of calcium per day, uh, either in, so that's uh, 700 milligrams to 1,000 milligrams in supplement form or over 1,000 milligrams from uh, nutrients from food, then this will increase, according to data and research, which I've sent on to Dr. Chafee today, this will increase risk of cardiovascular disease by as much as 15%. This is why there is no calcium in my electrolytes because we do not need it. We get plenty through our diet. There's lots of calcium in all the foods that we eat. We don't need to be supplementing with any calcium. I would love to get into the weeds of that a little bit further and maybe we can jump on that next week. Um, 
But yeah, very interesting data. You don't need to add calcium to your diet. Brilliant, brilliant. Right, okay, so that's that's it for YouTube. If uh, There's a link in the description for our 8 o'clock uh, dessert, and uh, we're going to end the stream here, and then we're going to hop over to there. Right, Rich, see you over there, mate. See you in a bit. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Your support means the absolute world to me. And if you're enjoying the show, I've got a small favour to ask you. I'd be incredibly grateful if you would consider becoming a supporter and make a small monthly donation. Your contribution will really help to improve the show. I'll be able to improve the software, maybe put a few more episodes out and do many things that I'm hoping to do in the future. Do them a lot quicker. So it's a small monthly contribution. You can cancel at any time and the link is in the show notes. Thanks very much for listening.